Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Gladden. And for this episode, we are going to shine a character spotlight on Leviathan. Uh, I guess it's more of a, an organization spotlight versus a character spotlight. Although there are some people who sort of refer to themselves as Leviathan. So I guess it's kind of a character spotlight too. Mm. But before we get into that character spotlight, we need to get to... The news. Entertainment Weekly shared the first look of Brandon Routh as Kingdom Come Superman, who will be appearing in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. The CW has confirmed that Routh will indeed be pulling double duty in the five-hour crossover. He'll appear as both his Legends character, Ray Palmer and the Atom, as well as Clark Kent. So, Morgan, uh, what, what do you think about this costume? It is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I saw this, or I guess it came out earlier last week, and I was like, ooh, Brandon Ralph. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very like I don't know, very super manly, I guess, but mm-hmm. like he also just looks really nice in this picture. Like good good for you, Brandon Ralph. He looks fit. He looks very distinguished with that uh gray hair there on on his uh, uh just above his ears. Uh so he very much looks the part. Uh, his costume is very close to the comic book iteration, which is nice uh, because sometimes, sometimes the comics and uh, the and the TV shows don't exactly agree. But this this they they really went for the full homage to the comic book version. The only thing I really don't like about this image is that uh, for me, as someone who operates a camera on the regular, the fact that his head room is non-existent really bothers me the top edge of the picture just like rests on his head it cuts off the top of his head which feels listen i want the full burn and route <laughs> i'm in, i'm in it i'm i'm bought in give me that top inch of his head like i i don't see why you don't think i can handle it <laughs> he looks great but there's no headroom there needs to be some headroom who is cropping these things out i don't understand uh, but I, I think it's a great picture. Otherwise, it does look like he's been, uh, hitting the gym. So good for Brandon Routh, uh, staying healthy and fit. Uh, I really appreciate that for Superman. <laughs> uh, so he looks good. And I was, 
uh, curious that he will also that refer to him being uh, Clark Kent as well. So it's not maybe just the Kingdom Come Superman. He will also be portraying his version of Clark Kent. So that's actually pretty exciting. I mean, I guess if we're going to have 10 million Supermen in this crossover, at least <laughs> they will also get to have 10 million Clark Kents as well. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, that's exciting. But yeah, he's going to have a lot to do. He's going to have to play kind of four versions of characters, Ray yeah. and Adam, which are kind of two different things. I know that you don't watch Legends, don't. but it's ador- it's adorable that you think he's ever the Adam. <laughs> they, they, they don't have that kind of budget anymore. He hasn't been the Adam for seasons now. <laughs> does, does he still wear the costume or does he just not shrink? Oh, no, they don't have the budget for any of it. He wow. just kind of wanders around the ship most of the time. Oh. They, they do occasionally remember that this is a thing that he can do, but uh, not, not often. They remember it as about as much as they remember that Jean can like mind read. That is disappointing, even for someone who doesn't watch the show. <laughs> that is a uh, little air just uh, let out of my uh, Ray Palmer and the the Adam balloon. Maybe what they're doing is they're they're saving all of it so that he's just the Adam the whole time. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for. They've been saving it up. Uh, so maybe that that'll add to the uh, crisis on Infinite Earths extravaganza of characters. So all of that is very exciting. Well, I guess that is going to cover the news. So let's get into this character spotlight on Leviathan because. Uh, full disclosure to our listeners, this is a, a very lengthy and terrifying Google Doc. <laughs> it tops out around 67 pages. When I first loaded this Google Doc, first off, Rebecca started by apologizing to me. If that, <laughs> if that should give you any idea of how, uh, like, and then I was, like, immediately terrified. I was like, wait, what? Like, uh, routinely I open the Google Docs and they're 30 pages. And she's never said anything to me before. So I was like, oh, no. And then it took, like, five minutes for the Google Doc to fully load. So the cur- like the little sidebar just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> and I was like, Rebecca, when does this stop? <laughs> so we are in for a ride uh, for this uh, character spotlight before the fifth season of Supergirl. But we're doing this on Leviathan because Leviathan got mentioned at the very end of season four in the finale. So we're going to take this episode of Supergirl Radio to learn more about this organization and find out how maybe they could play a part in Supergirl Season 5. So to start with the comics, uh, Leviathan was created by Grant Morrison and David Finch, and their first appearance was in Batman The Return Number 1 from January 2011. Leviathan is part organized crime and part uh, terror group. So they are, are really just bad guys overall, no, no matter how you uh, describe them, uh, whether they're uh, a criminal organization or a terrorist organization, they are bad people. Their leader, as we will uh, discuss in some of these stories that we're going to talk about, turns out to be Talia Al Ghul. And I don't oh, know, Morgan, how <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about Talia Al Ghul, Morgan, but they're... There are a few, I don't really hate people uh, in this world. There are people I I maybe dislike. There may be people uh, I disagree with. But I hate Talia al Ghul. I I do not like that character. Uh, She uh, 
makes me mad and pretty much every story she's in uh, i dislike her in the way she treats batman and bruce wayne i dislike her when she has uh i'm sorry for the pun cat fights with selena kyle i'm just i'm not a fan I'm not a fan, and uh, so we're going to talk a lot about Talia al Ghul, and I hope by the end of it, uh, you will see uh, and and uh, see Talia al Ghul the way I see her. Uh, I think maybe you will. Uh, so Talia al Ghul is uh, one of the main leaders of at least this first uh, Leviathan story that we're going to talk about. The more recent stuff, it's kind of up in the air, but we'll we'll get to Talia's part in. Uh, leviathan history so she there's a leader and then they're like leviathan agents and then we're going to talk about and eventually in these stories about how leviathan has uh specialized divisions so it's almost set oh, up like a, a <laughs> it's almost set up like a corporation a little bit oh my god rebecca we can see their pam in hr <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> A day in the life of Pam and HR from Leviathan. Do I'm sure they have? They almost have to have a human resources group. Uh, so uh, I, that was not part of my research, but I'm almost sure that they have an HR lady in Leviathan. <laughs> it has to happen. So we're going to briefly mention some of these agents. Uh, some of them we'll we'll talk a little bit more in depth. Uh, but just so that you know some of these names. Uh, so one of them is Doctor. Daedalus, who also goes by the name Otto Netz. He is a former Nazi scientist and the agent of Leviathan. And uh, he's an agent of Leviathan and the biological father of Kathy Kane, who was the original Batwoman. He is later killed by the new Robin using a concealed knife. So it's good to know his name, but he doesn't stick around. Uh, the Heretic is a character we're going to talk more about in our animated film section, so hold on to that name. Uh, the Heretic, we will we will talk more about him. So uh, then we get to the pigs. So Professor Pig, who is a um, now a little more famous Batman rogue gallery character. He was uh, used in, I think, uh, Batman... No, Beware of the Batman... And Gotham, he had a pretty, uh, pretty lengthy stint on Gotham on Fox. So Professor Pig's sort of coming into the general public consciousness. So people <laughs> kind of know about Professor Pig. He's he's a weird, weird guy. Uh, but he also has a son. So we will talk about the son of Pig. Is he a pig? I'm sorry, Rebecca. Rebecca, is this a is this a pig man? Did I did I gloss over Professor Pig and not? <laughs> I, did you is need this, to know is about this a, Is this a man? who wears a pig mask or is this a man who is a pig i i i'm unclear but i i like both options i think in most iterations he is a man who wears a pig mask i i have to say that's the more disappointing option (laughs) (laughs) i was really hoping it was a man who was a pig so (laughs) professor pig according to dcfandom.com is a deranged supervillain and enemy of batman formerly a member of spiral who uh, which we will talk about a little bit until he was driven insane by Dr. Daedalus, who we talked about pre, uh, briefly uh, previous to uh, Professor Pig. He's a gifted scientist who's obsessed with making things perfect. This involves drastic harmful surgery to turn people into brainwashed dolotrons. <laughs> he is the leader of the Circus of Strange and has also been allied with Dr. Hurt, which uh, seems to be a guy up to no good. Uh, so I think Professor Pig, he's just a guy who... Uh, likes pig masks 
Um, but if you would like to think of him as a pig man, I don't see why you can't. I really would. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love, can I just say, I love comic book villains. Like, they're just the best. <laughs> it's just so disturbing. It's just this dude in a pig mask. It's, I can't, I can't stop looking at these pictures of him. Oh my god, the one the one from Gotham is gonna feature heavily in my nightmares tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh hold on to that because we're gonna talk about the the son of Pig, uh whose real name is uh Jono- Genos Valentin, uh aka Johnny Valentine. We're gonna talk more about his story because he does uh, come up in the Leviathan story from Batman Incorporated. It felt like I had heard of Professor Pig before because you don't forget about a a, a pig man slash pig mask wearing person. <laughs> and then I see that his the son of Pig, which also prop, props to Pigman for finding love. There truly is someone for everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I see that he was defeated by uh, Batgirl when, uh, when she was Stephanie Brown. Uh-huh. And I love, that's like one of my favorite comic book runs and i haven't read it in a long time but it makes sense why uh why like the pig the pig family (laughs) is familiar to me well we will be talking about that run so uh get ready for that so you can revisit a little bit of that another leviathan agent is named goat boy uh oh no (laughs) what i'm sorry (laughs) i'm gonna keep doing this to you uh so is this a goat person or it's another person wearing a mask. <laughs> I really just want, I listen, I can't, they can't all be director bones, but I mean, <laughs> why not just give me an actual goat that is also a boy. <laughs> uh, goat boy is a Gotham city bred taxi driver turned assassin in light of Talia's billion dollar bounty on Damian Wayne. Uh, he was later killed by Lumina Lux, who is a character I'm not as very uh, familiar with. But uh, that is Goat Boy's story. R.I.P. Goat Boy. <laughs> R.I.P. Goat Boy. Uh, there's also an agent named the Silencer, which we'll talk about the Silencer. This is almost going to be a Silencer character spotlight because as I was <laughs> doing some Leviathan research, the Silencer came up quite a bit. And it's interesting. I, I always like to go back to the source material because Wikipedia, for all of its benefits... Sometimes it really downplays things. So, like, uh, Wikipedia uh, described the silencer as uh, a woman named Honor Guest who was an assassin in Leviathan but quit. And that's all they said about the silencer. And as I was reading for this research, she, uh, she does so much. She And spoiler alert, she stabs Talia al Ghul. Like, this is not <laughs> a character to, to mess with. And so uh, Wikipedia... Uh, you didn't tell the whole story. <clears throat> so we're going to tell the silencer story because I think uh, the silencer agrees with me about my feelings about <laughs> Dolly Al Ghul. So I'm a big fan of the silencer now. Uh, so there's that character. Then we also have some. So I remember when I said that uh, there are different divisions of Leviathan. So there's this character named Wishbone who does not look like uh, the way the name uh, it is, uh, but Wishbone is a magical character and who runs the magical division of Leviathan. So there is a magical <laughs> division. 
Then you get uh, what are called underbosses. So you get like Tali al Ghul, who's at the tippy top of Leviathan. And then you have these underbosses. So then you have characters like uh, Quietus and Gun, who are both uh, Leviathan underbosses. There's also one named Jonah Nine. I don't know much about him. He didn't really come up much. Uh, but Quietus, Gun, Jonah Nine, and Rutker Orestes. Orestes, I don't know how to say that last name. Uh, those are all underbosses. They don't live very long. Um, they typically get killed because they're fighting other people. Gun, who is a Leviathan underboss, we're going to actually talk about his death because uh, is it weird to say his death is humorous? <laughs> I'm excited about this now. Gun, we will talk about his death uh, because it's uh, very unique. Um, okay, so let's get started uh, talking about the Leviathan storyline. So this started back in December 2011. Uh, the first real big story is part of that Stephanie Brown run that you mentioned earlier. It's in Batman Incorporated, Leviathan Strikes One Shot. Uh, so it's a one shot of this Batman Incorporated uh, story. So Batman Incorporated, uh, just to sort of sum it up, Batman sort of branched out and he made himself a franchise. Basically, as any good CEO <laughs> would do, you fr- you get a good uh, you get a good property, good brand, you franchise that. <laughs> so he had the Bat family, and then there were all these other characters who became Bat members. So there was a whole bunch of people uh, around the world who were Batman-like heroes. So that was Batman Incorporated, just to kind of take all of that and sum it up into a little uh, little short description. So in this story. Uh, it takes place at a, a school called St. Hadrian's, I believe. It's Hadrian's or Hadrian's. Um, but this this school is an all-girls school, and Stephanie Brown has enrolled in, in, in this school as a student. Uh, but it's no ordinary school. They actually train these girls to be fighters with lessons on military weaponry, hand grenades, uh, Stephanie gets in fight with girls at the school, but she's shown to be able to hold her own because she trained with Batman and Black Canary. She even dated Robin, and she actually was Robin at one point. So she knows how to fight and defend herself against these girls who are <laughs> literally holding hand grenades in the school. So uh, it turns out girls at the school were selected by a character named Miss Delicious. Uh, to test the the Leviathan technology. So there is something called Leviathan technology that is, uh, they're using this to test with the girls at the school. But Batwoman caught them. Uh, because of Stephanie's exceptional qualities, she is given an invitation to go to uh, this tower for some creepy initiation. Oh boy, those masks are something. Yeah, so all the girls in this initiation sort of look like the Day of the Dead uh, makeup uh, and so they're wearing masks, and they're all chanting, "We are dead! All hail Leviathan!" Uh, you would you would see uh, a lot of references to "Hail Leviathan" or "All hail Leviathan" in some of these stories. So uh, Stephanie goes with her her new friend that she's made at the school, and uh, they're in this initiation. It's very scary looking. They they have nooses around their necks. Uh, it's pretty terrifying so this is where uh son of pig comes in so the self-proclaimed master of ceremonies of this (laughs) cult ritual which i'm sure 
uh, you would enjoy learning about Morgan because uh, we do have a fascination with cults on this We podcast. do love a good cult. <laughs> we do love a good cult story. So the master of ceremonies of this cult ritual reveals himself to be Professor Pig's son, Johnny Valentine, a.k.a. Jonos Valentin, who describes himself as, quote, the spawn of the foul field, child of the boar, and his sow, son of pig. Pretty normal way to to introduce yourself. Yeah, and he's sort of half in shadow, so you don't really see him at first. You do see those little pig ears, though. You do see, <laughs> you do see the the pig ears in the shadow. He is pretty grotesque. What happened to his pig mask? Uh, it I, looks like it's melted. It's well, there's a lot of candles in the cult ritual. <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's that's something that that's. I feel like that's cult 101. Like you keep the ritual masks away from the candles. <laughs> I mean. Jeez, this is this is amateur stuff. <laughs> I do. I don't think the tower is air conditioned. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure, but you're right. It is like parts of it are coming off. It does look melted. It's just it's gross. He's he's a very gross looking character. So it's it's weird that he wants to uh, perform surgeries on people, but he's not even taking care. You're not even taking care of yourself, pig. Uh, so I, th- I think he really needs to look at himself before he, he wants to do anything to other people. So th- they're at this uh, ritual with uh, the son of Pig, and he wants these girls to surrender themselves so they can become uh, teenage suicide commandos known as the Death Girls of Leviathan. This ritual that they're doing involves, uh, it, it, it requires them to eat a mind control wafer, <laughs> that symbolizes their death and rebirth, and it gets them, quote, in tune with Leviathan's song, unquote. Uh, in tune uh, means they will no longer value life, not even their own, and they will feel no remorse, no, no fear, and will learn to kill without feeling, and they will kill when they are told. So basically, Son of Pig wants them to eat these wafers, and it, the wafers somehow, I guess this is part of the Leviathan technology that they were talking about earlier on in the story, and uh, the mind control wafer will make them uh, be able to kill and not feel bad about it. So every uh, the, the other girls are eating these wafers. Stephanie Brown is like, uh, I'm not having this. And she starts to fight back. She saves her new friend that she met earlier in the issue, and Batman thankfully arrives as backup to help her. And uh, But her new friend, Jolisa, Turns out she ate the wafer and she turns on Stephanie wanting to kill her. Oh, no. I know. I mean, that's it really it's very disappointing and uh, sad when your new friend uh, tries to kill you. Uh, When Jalisa tries to kill uh, Stephanie Brown, Batgirl, in order to pursue in order to prove herself to her new cult buddies, she screams, Hail Leviathan. So that's a typical thing that a lot of these these agents will say when they are under Leviathan control. This cult ceremony has been happening. Mind-controlled students are uh, under the control of Leviathan. So while Stephanie's trying to deal with these other girls who have been mind-controlled by their mind-control wafers, Batman takes on the the school's headmistress, whose name is Miss Miss. Hexley. <laughs> she tells Batman that the reason she sold out her students to a secret organization was because she followed the dollar. She was after that money. And Leviathan is the biggest fish in the pond. So she basically mind controlled these girls uh, to make some money. 
So she's a pretty nasty lady. I mean, I feel like there's easier ways to make money, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. It's hard out there. <laughs> Who am I to judge? <laughs> I mean, there are other things. There are better ways to do it, I think. Uh, then at some point in the story, Batman Incorporated tracked Leviathan's influence to the kingdom of Matamba. So Leviathan is a worldwide organization. Uh, as a, as a, Another member of Batman Incorporated, known as the Hood, he gets his hands on classified information that Leviathan is an, an inescapable interrogation facility sailing international waters and answers to no laws. So Leviathan worldwide, also t- sometimes a ship. Uh, the, the story also mentions that Oracle loses contact with all those aboard the Leviathan, which is out on the international waters. But uh, outsider characters, including Metamorpho and Halo, penetrate Leviathan orbital headquarters. Lots of stuff happens, but really the most important aspect of this issue is that at the end, it's revealed that the head of Leviathan is Talia al Ghul. Uh, so there's a, a great uh, final page there when uh, it reveals who, who Leviathan's head honcho is and uh, Talia is there in a th- like a throne chair with uh, the character known as the heretic standing behind her and all she says is, your move, beloved, which is what she calls uh, Batman. So even though I really dislike Talia al Ghul, that's a pretty boss way to end an issue yeah it really is a lot of crazy culty things happen i mean if you're gonna run a cult uh, and i'm not (laughs) suggesting that you do you probably shouldn't but if you're gonna run a cult i mean i think you need a good throne chair (laughs) like i feel like that's what a lot of cults are missing it's just like a sense of pomp and circumstance (laughs) like listen you deserve a throne (laughs) get yourself a throne (laughs) Well, you know, Talia works really hard. She's got all these divisions she's got to manage. She's got all these underbosses. She's she's the top dog. She's got the (laughs) she's got Pam from HR always breathing down her neck. Stop killing your employees. (laughs) Treat yourself to a nice chair now and then. (laughs) So so we know who the head of Leviathan is by this point. It is Talia Al Ghul. So let's fast forward seven years. We're, we're going to come back to Leviathan in February 28th, uh, 2018. There were a bunch of issues with the silencer that I read, and I actually quite enjoyed it. It was a pretty good little story. So this is uh, the silencer number two that we're going to talk about. In this issue, there's apparently a civil war going on within Leviathan. So there's a little power struggle that's happening, and a woman named Honor Guest who is kind of the hero of these issues. Uh, she goes by the name, the code name Silencer, and she is in charge uh, with the priority of keeping underlife assassins from killing Talia al Ghul. So she's basically Talia al Ghul's bodyguard and personal assassin. Uh, hence the name, the Silencer, because she uses like, uh, well, actually, we'll talk about her abilities because it's very interesting. <laughs> Uh, So while a whole bunch of fighting takes place at this one situation where somebody's trying to kill Talia, uh, Talia does go missing. And due to the big fight Silencer is in during the story, she needs help cleaning it all up to make it look like it didn't happen. So she calls what appears to be a Leviathan Waste Management Department. That's kind of what I got out of this. (laughs) So we have like a magical division 
And in this story, we get like a waste management group who handles all the the messy cleanup of the the fighting and the killing that goes on. I kind of want like a sitcom about Leviathan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like what Pam from HR does, what the waste management department does. <laughs> like, there's there's a there's a lot of options here. I, I'm gonna step on your toes because I just read the next sentence. They have a villain store called Mall Mart. <laughs> M A U L. I mean, that's I mean, that's good puns right there. Yes. So uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction, but some of this Leviathan waste management sort of reminds me of uh, some stuff that goes on in Pulp Fiction where they they kill a guy and then they have to, like, clean the car and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, That is pretty gruesome. But uh, that's what this reminds me of. And yes, they do have a mall mart. And I think it's run by uh, Rita. Is her name? She's like the Rita. Rita is the greeter at, at Mall Mart. Uh, so I just think that's uh, pretty funny. Uh, Rita's not the name that I would have associated. She looks like a nice little lady there at the Mall Mart. She, she seems so nice. <laughs> she, she's a familiar face. She greets you when you come in to buy your uh, large quantities of uh, machine guns and hand grenades uh, and anything that you might need as, as a, an assassin for Leviathan. So, uh, they do have a mall mart. They have a waste management group in this issue. Uh, it also mentions how Leviathan is changing the rules from how they previously operated. So things were established. They had a set of rules, but now they're changing them. So Leviathan is kind of an organization. Like they are organized crime they do they have levels they have people they report to they have departments and divisions so it's it's pretty well organized so let's go to the silencer number three from march 28th 2018 a leviathan in this issue is described as an organization that is quote willing to task a satellite weapon and kill scores of their own men quote just to get someone so they're mm. pre- they're pretty uh, ruthless in, in in getting their objective completed. Uh, Leviathan has orbital weapon platforms, and their reach extends everywhere. Every fr- every face in a crowd is a potential Leviathan killer. So it's a pretty big organization. So this seems like more of like what Supergirl was alluding to at the end of last season. Yes, with like the Leviathan is everywhere. Not. <laughs> It's like, have you been to Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome on on the Supergirl TV series? I think they should incorporate that aspect of it too. But you're right. This is kind of Leviathan's thing. Is uh, you don't really know who people in Leviathan are. That is that is their their the w- the way they operate. So in this issue, uh, Talia Al Ghul she went missing. At one point, she shows back up and she resumes communication with the silencer, who was her personal bodyguard slash assassin. And the silencer wants Talia to end this Leviathan nonsense that's been going on, or she will end it for her. Uh, Cue the foreshadowing uh, music. Dun, dun, dun. She will end it for her and Talia along with it. So just hold on to that because it's going to come back. So in the silencer number five for May 23rd, 2018, silencer meets up with Deathstroke, who tells her that the underlife is being torn apart by the Leviathan Civil War, and he wants her to stop it. So Deathstroke, he's getting kind of lazy in this issue. He wants someone yeah, else. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he's just outsourcing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, maybe he does. Maybe he's uh, you know he's uh, respectful of the organizational. Uh, what do they call it in the corporate world? An org chart. Yeah, the org chart. He's like, listen, I would do it, but I mean, technically, I report to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Silencer explains to Deathstroke that Leviathan's power and reach is powerful because they have specialized divisions in tech that he wouldn't believe such as malware that can retask orbital weapons uh, platforms and nanites and bodysuits that can be set to perform individual tasks. That does seem pretty involved. It's pretty powerful. And actually, the silencer has a like a nanite suit that's sort of like what we've sort of seen teased for Supergirl Season 5 with Supergirl suits, kind of like that. Um, so she does have a fancy, fancy suit. So according to Deathstroke, this whole Leviathan Civil War might be Silencer's fault because she, on behalf of Talia al Ghul, assassinated a man named Guile, who was, an, uh, who was a Leviathan underboss. Silencer only killed Guile because Talia told her this was going to be her way out of Leviathan and this assassin life that she's been living. She does not want to be an assassin anymore. She wants to have a family, and so she did what she uh, was told she could do in order to get out of it. So this was the moment that all of the under uh, the other underbosses, like characters like Quietus and Gunn that we uh, previously mentioned at the very beginning of the spotlight, realized they could never trust Talia because uh, she's willing to kill these these other people in Leviathan. You would think that just the general shadiness of her would have convinced them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Talia, she's not it, the most trustworthy. It's, it's a thing that always cracks me up about, like these shows where they have like an uh, like an underground like an underworld and they're like we can't trust our boss and it's like did didn't you just see your boss like shoot somebody <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's like they all turn on each other but then they're like wait <laughs> they'll turn on me <laughs> yeah. these are these are not real smart people they're they're in the criminal underworld so they're not smart uh, to begin with i mean crime doesn't pay crime does not pay everybody should remember that um, so they can't trust Talia and Deathstroke is especially concerned about how this, this is, this is Deathstroke's big concern. He is concerned not about the criminal aspect of everything. Is not he a, concerned about his 401k if they go under? He is concerned about how this will affect the underworld economy. So kind of. <laughs> He's worried about the He's economy. Like, my, listen, my retirement savings are riding on this. <laughs> <laughs> Talia al Ghul has really excellent dental, and I'm just not <laughs> sure I can get that somewhere else. <laughs> so that is his big concern that's why he's trying to get the silencer to fix all of this so deathstroke tells the silencer that talia started leviathan out of spite so we get a little motivation as to why she started all of this so uh she started out of spite but it's grown way beyond her and she knows it talia is desperate she's losing her grip and would do anything to maintain it so uh, it's nice to get a little bit of that backstory of how Leviathan sort of came to be. Deathstroke encourages Silencer to turn Talia into Leviathan so she can be free. So this is what De Deathstroke's like, just turn her in, no big deal, and then you can get out of here. So uh, that's his big advice to her. So while Silencer is with her son at a diner, uh, Auntie Talia comes up, uh, and that's what Ben, uh, Silencer's son, calls her. 
silencer asks Talia point blank if she was the one who leaked information to Leviathan about her. And Talia admits that she did because it was the only way to get silencer active again. And so silencer and Talia, they both have these things that have gone on and they're blaming each other for uh, what what has gone on. So while they argue over who betrayed who, a whole bunch of guys show up in this diner and everybody starts shooting up the place. So it was a per- it was a perfectly nice diner. Silencer uh, honor guest wanted to go there with her son to eat a little 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 lunch, and Talia shows up, and of course trouble comes with her. So that's how that issue ends. So in the silencer number six from June twenty seventh, uh, twenty eighteen. Silencer and Talia al Ghul, they are, are, this issue kind of sort of picks back up with the diner fight. So they find themselves in this diner fight. Talia believes that Silencer betrayed her to Leviathan and blames Silencer for Leviathan's power struggles. After they all, after they take down all of the guys attacking them in the diner, Talia tries to convince Silencer to team up with her again. So remember, Deathstroke is like, just get rid of Talia and you can you can be free of this life. So that's sort of what Silencer went into this thinking. Uh, so not wanting to get back into the assassin life, Silencer fights back against Talia and when Talia makes a move to go after her son, this is what this is what clinches it. Uh oh. Silencer stabs Talia Al Ghul. So <gasps> It had to come down to that. She, uh, that was her way out of this life, and she took it. So, uh, Talia meets a, a, a grim end here, uh, getting killed in a di- <laughs> in a diner. She looks really shocked, too. She's like, what? She did not expect this. She thought Silencer would be loyal to her, and she did not. It was another one of those uh, underworld crime boss things, like, you betrayed me? I've been betraying oh, betraying what? all these other people. Exactly. I I mean I had you kill some people for me, but I could have never seen this coming. <laughs> <laughs> so big Talia. twist, big twist at the end of that issue that the silencer stabs Talia. Oh, cool. So in the silencer number seven uh, from June uh, from July twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. Uh, in this issue, this has, in my opinion, one of the greatest opening pages of any comic. Uh, I've ever read or seen. Uh, we're at Saint Hadrian's School. Uh, Honor, the the silencer. Her her first name is Honor. Uh, she is, is stabbing Talia Al Ghul in the chest. So we're revisiting that. So it's nice. It's nice to open up a comic and see the death of a character you really don't like uh, happen right as you open it. It's just <laughs> for me that was very that was that it was uh, gratifying. Uh, just to just to see Talia Al Ghul continually be stabbed to death. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but you people don't understand. I just don't like Talia Al Ghul. She's the worst. Um, so uh, let's see, where are we? I, I kind of uh, still dying. Drifted, <laughs> drifted when I was talking about how much I like getting to see Talia Al Ghul die. Um, so we get to see her death again. Honor is uh, doing this because Talia put her family in danger. Talia is surprised by the mention that, ha- that Honor has a family. So Talia didn't know that the silencer had a family. She has uh, a husband and a son, a little son named Ben. And uh, Talia reminds Honor that she and Leviathan are her family. So Talia was trying to sort of mind control the silencer in, into this loyalty for her. Uh, and so in this entire scene, uh, even though even though I really enjoyed this opening scene, 
in this issue, it ends up being a dream. Uh, Honor's just remembering what happened in the previous issue when she actually did stab Talia. So Honor and her family, uh, the silencer and her family are trailed on an airplane. So they get on this airplane. They're, they're going to go to a, a travel destination. And they're being followed uh, by these really creepy characters. Uh, you might be interested in these characters, Morgan. Uh, the two characters are named Cradle and Grave. Wow. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you see them, you will see kind of why they're named that. So Cradle is a young person who looks kind of dead. And then Grave is an older person who looks kind of dead. Really creepy characters. I do like that Grave has really committed to like that Panama hat. Like, <laughs> like that old lady and, hat. And, and yeah, and like and and Cradle has a backwards baseball cap because he's just a little boy. And uh, like a like a seven eleven Slurpee. Like he's like nothing to see here. Just me with my backwards baseball cap and my Slurpee. <laughs> Homework's a drag. <laughs> <laughs> so these characters uh, are following the silencer and her family, and they hope to sell the information about Honor and where she's going and where she is uh, to Talia Al Ghul and interested parties. So they're not really in the know of the fact that Talia Al Ghul is dead yet, but uh, they're hoping to make a quick, quick buck on the information about the silencer. So that's kind of, I, I thought that might be important to mention because those characters are really weird and I thought uh, people should know about them. Super weird. I love them. In the Silencer number eight from August 22nd, 2018, Silencer pays a visit to a character named Iverson to get information on Talia and Leviathan. He explains that Leviathan's hierarchy is disintegrating. So there is a hierarchy there's divisions, they got departments, they, they probably have an HR somewhere, um, but all of that is just disintegrating. Things are falling apart. The, the Leviathan Civil War is just, everything is falling apart. So uh, it used to be Talia al Ghul at the top, supported by all of the underbosses. Uh, each one of them had their own specialty division. They had robotics, body modification, weapons, uh, a viral uh, division, but now the division, those all of those little specialty divisions are fighting for control. So all those people who were like lower level managers are now trying to be like the CEO. So there's a lot of infighting. Oh man, that's always the worst when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so Quietus, one of the main contenders to control Leviathan, Quietus is an underboss, and so he's he's trying to climb that corporate ladder. He tells Silencer that whoever uh, stops Talia al Ghul, who presumably uh, would resurrect through the Lazarus Pit. So they already kind of know that, yeah, you stabbed Talia al Ghul, but we're pretty sure she's going to be coming back because that's kind of her thing. <laughs> They're like, listen, these are comics. You can only expect her to come back. Yeah, I mean, she and her dad have these Lazarus pits that resurrect people. They have a so literal resurrection machine <laughs> built into built into their whole deal. So this is kind of temporary. We just need to be prepared for it. They're like, listen, we have to corporately restructure while <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> so that when she comes back, we're like, listen, uh, we love what you've done with the organization. <laughs> and we're just like... We're so grateful, really, for your leadership. <laughs> but now uh, we just kind of want you to head up, like, I don't know, training, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> They've demoted Talia al Ghul while she was dead. Yeah, they're, they're like, here's your, new here's your new office. And she's like, it's 
really small and they're like i'm 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 sorry it's like the space we had available listen you've been dead for like a little while okay we, what were we supposed to do we only had the win- the the office with the I windows i really want leviathan to be a workplace comedy i think is my problem <laughs> <laughs> i want leviathan to be office space <laughs> I re- I think uh, I think we could we could maybe pitch this. So let's let's workshop <laughs> this. So uh, Quiet is one of the underbosses trying to fight for control. He tells Silencer that whoever stops Haliel Ghoul will gain control of Leviathan. So that's why everybody's like fighting each other and trying to trying to get control because they want they want to be top dog. So out of all of the Leviathan divisions, uh, Wishbone, who is a character we mentioned previously, uh, Wishbone's magical division is the only one who has remained loyal to. Quote, Mistress Talia is what Wishbone calls her. Uh, she intends to protect Talia's interest and confound her enemies. And to do that, Wishbone magically switches the bodies of Silencer and Quietus. So they do a little body swap. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wish, Wishbone does not look like I think she should maybe look like. So I, I also agree that she doesn't look like what I would want her to look like, which I'm going to be straight is Wishbone the dog from the, the television show. You know, the, the dog that would, like, uh, act out, like, Shakespeare and, and, like, classical literature. What if what if that was a villain in DC Comics? Like, I mean, wasn't that dog always, like, a little suspicious? He could play every part, really? No one's got that kind of range. <laughs> so Wish, Wishbone, this is a good point. Uh, Wishbone looks more like a devil character like a like i think it's the horns i think it's horns i feel like the horns are like they're like like a wishbone is two different bones so we'll just give her two horns i don't know you look you look like a like a devil character that yeah she she certainly doesn't look like a nice person no so so wishbone is uh magical and she switch she does a body swap with silencer and quietus and uh, so that's kind of where we end that issue. So uh, DC did a, a, a silencer annual number one from August 29th to 2018. And this was the story where we we sort of went back in time to uh, to get back into silencer's history, silencer's history and, and kind of figure out, you know, where where she came from, really. So we get introduced to Honor, who is the is the real name of Silencer's uh, character, and this issue recounts the story of how she came to work for Talia Al Ghul and Leviathan. Honor is aware that Talia is quote building something of her own, something to defy her father, who of course is Ra's Al Ghul, and change the world. This plan is to be an expression of herself, a power to eclipse all others, to negate and supplant the egotistical metahuman heroes, and it's supposed to be an invisible empire, unquote. So that's kind of the description of Leviathan. And uh, Honor, uh, who, of course, goes by the codename Silencer, was recruited by Talia to protect Batman in Gotham City against an assassin sent by her father, Rachel Ghoul. So that's sort of how she starts working for Talia. She thinks she's supposed to go and kill Batman, as an assassin would, but it, there's the twist that uh, Talia is actually concerned about Batman, and so Silencer is there to help protect him. Uh, Silencer, in this issue, wears a suit that can form over her clothes with the, the nanite technology, and her ability is very interesting. So there, 
her silencer name is sort of twofold. It's it's because that she could shoot somebody if she wanted to as an assassin, uh, but it's also because she has the ability to literally silence people so that they do not talk. Uh, the comic bubbles in those moments when she's doing this uh, don't don't have any words in them. They're blank word bubbles so that you can see that they can't talk. Oh, that's cool. So it is kind of interesting. So when she uh, is in a fight, she will uh, turn the what she calls the zone of silence on. So she can turn the zone of silence on and off, and the way she turns it off is that she snaps her fingers. You know, zone of silence off. Mm. She snaps, Rebecca. She snaps. In the comics, it shows her snapping, and then it has the word snap in there. What if she appears on the show and they're like, the only thing we won't allow you to do is snap? (laughs) (laughs) We're very strictly anti-snap on this show. I'm going to be so mad if they have the chance to do two snapping characters and they don't. (laughs) And they do neither. You know that's going to happen because we want it. (laughs) Oh, geez. And that's the thing about the snapping is that, you know, it's it's a good sound. You know, the whole thing, her whole thing is that she makes things quiet. And so snapping, you know, brings a little sound into it. So I, I think this ability is actually kind of neat. And the the fact that she, uh, the way it's drawn in the comics is very interesting. Because there's like, you can see the zone of silence. It's like a, you know, an actual, uh, what do you call that? It's not a centrifugal circle. What do, I don't know what you call that. But like, it's a circle that goes into another circle and into another circle. Uh, so I like the way that that is drawn. Her her power is very neat. It's very cool. So by the end of this issue, Talia gives her empire a name, and she calls it Leviathan. She says, quote, it must live and prosper, and I intend to nurture it in ways my father never did me, unquote. So somebody's got some, like... Uh some family issues that she's trying to work out through this organization. <laughs> Talia al Ghul. Yeah. You know, you know, Talia therapy is also, I'm not, <laughs> not trying to be down on you. I'm not trying to be down on creating an evil organization uh, or a criminal, you know, a criminal under underworld organization, but, but also therapy is, is also a good way to deal with your feelings about your dad being not so present. <laughs> She has, Talia Al Ghul has a lot of daddy issues she's got to work through. Uh, and this is the way she has chosen to do so. Uh, so in the silencer number nine from September 26, 2018, this issue follows up on the, the body switching that happened before the annual. Before we went back in time to, to figure out how Leviathan got started and how silencer came to be. We're going back to the whole uh the silencer and quietus get body swapped by wishbone who looks like a devil character uh so <laughs> this fought this issue follows up on that um and wishbone uses so much for magical power to do this so that the underbosses of leviathan uh will see that they should never have mocked her or belittled her gifts so wishbone she's in the magical division but she doesn't get that respect from the other divisions uh, that she wishes they would give to her. So she's doing this this body swap to try to prove a point that she, you know, she can do things. She can contribute to Leviathan. She, you know, she's not the jokey uh, division. So Silencer points out that she knew Leviathan had an occult division, but thought it was just a joke or an indulgence. So even, so even Silencer didn't think much of this magical division. So everybody's <laughs> everybody's poo poo in the magic division. 
Uh, and Silencer never dreamed it could do anything, which validates Wishbone's feelings of inadequacy. So I, I just want to jump in here again <laughs> uh, real quick. I feel like that if Talia had maybe taken the company on like a treat where they did some trust falls, <laughs> a lot of this could have been <laughs> avoided. Like just just do some like uh, some team building exercises. <laughs> uh, that this is why the civil war is happening within Leviathan because people just there are some divisions who just think they're better than others, and that's the way I it think, is. I think it's because she didn't really invest enough in her HR department. Poor <laughs> Pam is understaffed. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so while Silencer and Quietus, who have been body swapped, fight each other, uh, another Leviathan underboss, Gun, he shows up and he wants to be the one who takes over Leviathan, but he ends up getting eaten by Wishbone's magical student, Michael, who turns into a giant monster or maybe kind of a dinosaur looking monster. So uh, Wishbone. I'm sorry, what's happening? So, wish, <laughs> so Wishbone. Okay. So to sum, What's the, I don't let's let's sum up. What? <laughs> it's getting so weird. It's getting complicated and strange. I know. So, Michael, so, you can't just turn into a dinosaur and eat people. So Silencer <laughs> and Quietus, they've gotten body swapped by Wishbone to to prove the point that she can carry her own in Leviathan. She's not she's not the jokey department. So she she she, she body swaps these characters. And then while they're fighting this other character who, sh- who wants to take over Leviathan, he shows up and he gets eaten. So uh, <laughs> Wishbone has this student, like this apprentice, this magical apprentice, and his name is Michael. And Michael turns into a giant monster and eats this gun character. And it is pretty gruesome. I also feel sad because I don't think that uh, you actually put a picture of of Gun in this doc. So my only form of reference of Gun is his uh, his legs <laughs> as this giant monster is eating him. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't uh, put the full image of him. Pretty cool um, uh, green pants, <laughs> and uh, I see that at one point he had an arm. He had an arm. Uh, it's falling. It's off falling now. off now. <laughs> uh, Gun, I think, had red hair. That's that's really all there was to Gun. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gun. That was quite a way to go. <laughs> uh, very um, intense and graphic ending for Gun. But the 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 Wikipedia entry doesn't really uh, explain to the extent of how uh, horrible his death is. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty gruesome. So in the silencer number 10 from October 24th, 2018, uh, in picking up where that issue left off, uh, the monster uh, that Michael became magically is still attacking uh, what they call Action Land. So um, silencer and her family, her husband and her young son, they were on that plane. You remember when, uh, when Cradle and Grave were tracking them on the plane? They were taking the plane to go to this amusement park called Action Land. And Action Land is basically a Superman theme park. So everything there <laughs> is Superman related. So they have these, um, I guess like at Disney World, they call them cast members. So they have these cast members who look like Superman. There's one that looks like Supergirl. They have uh, some Easter eggs on some of the rides. They have a shout out to Streaky the Super Cat. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff. There's like a Krypton ride. 
And uh, I was very surprised when I opened this up and started reading it that there was a nice Crisis on Infinite Earths homage where the cast member Superman is holding the cast member Supergirl. So uh, the monster is causing chaos at this action land, this amusement park, and it's getting really serious. All the people who went there just to have a good time, now they're being chased by this magical occultish monster uh, that is after some of these characters. So it it's kind of sad. I mean, you just you just want a day out at the park. The next thing you know, a, a, a dinosaur is eating you. It's just it's kind of it's kind of disappointing. Although it does kind of feel like we've learned nothing from Jurassic Park. If it was Jurassic Park, I would kind of understand that 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 just comes with the territory. I uh, just don't expect a giant dinosaur to crash land on your superhero theme park, I guess, is the thing. Although, I mean, superheroes do fight a lot of, like, monsters and dinosaurs. So as far as this story goes, Wishbone, the, the magical division head, is visited by a Leviathan agent named Raze, who tells her that messing with Silencer and Quietus is no longer needed, so she switches them back into their correct bodies. Right after that, though, the monster chomps on Quietus and his robotic body breaks off from his robotic head. So poor Quietus, he gets back into his own body, and then his body gets broken. And despite this temporary setback, though, uh, because after all, bodies can be rebuilt, uh, he and Silencer have a new found partnership because they've developed some trust between the two of them because of all the fighting that's gone on, the fact that they've been living in each other's shoes, literally. Um, they, they've developed a little bond. They, they really walked a mile in each other's shoes. <laughs> they, they really, really did. So uh, Quietus offers Silencer a deal. He says, if you uh, erase all traces of Talia al Ghul and take over Leviathan. Uh, no, he says that if he er erases all traces of Talia al Ghul and takes over Leviathan, Silencer can have her ordinary life with her family back. And that's really what she wants this whole time. That's what she wants. Um, the only problem for their deal that they've struck is that over in a Lazarus pit, Talia al Ghul is resurrected. We all saw this coming. We knew it was going to happen. Oh, man. And then it did. She's so. back. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm going to end this story. It's kind of a roundabout way to say that Talia al I mean, we kind of probably could have summed it up in dun, dun, dun. less than a minute just to say that Talia al Ghul was the head of Leviathan. Some stuff happened. She got stabbed, and then she went to the Lazarus pit and got resurrected. Boom. There's all you need to know. I mean, but then we would have missed out on that giant that giant dinosaur. <laughs> so I feel like I'm almost like, what happens? Like, what happens next? Did you did you read the rest of this arc? I think that's kind of the gist of it. Is that Talia al Ghul comes back, and 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 there's probably some things that happen. I don't really care because I don't want to know what else Talia al Ghul's so, been up to. So you saw Talia come back, and you're like, "End them out," and <laughs> we're out of here. I was really enjoying this while Talia was and dead. I summarized it <laughs> quite enough. <laughs> So if you want to find out what else happens, feel free to do that on your own time. But we're going to end it there. I will say, if you find out what happens and and you just want to tweet it at me, at Mojotastic, <laughs> let, let me know. Let me know. Does does the dinosaur man make another appearance? <laughs> uh, what happens with uh, with our new buddy Quietus? Does a... Uh, 
does Mr. Gunn ever get his legs back? I don't know. Uh, mysteries to be revealed. Mysteries all. <laughs> <laughs> so the next time we're going to talk about Leviathan is from May 22nd, 2019. This is in Action Comics 1011. So it's just this May. This is pretty recent. A lot of this Leviathan stuff is mostly from like the last two years, it seems like. I think, I mean, it pops up in 2011, then seems to go pretty dormant until recently yeah it has uh been cooking for a little while and i think people have mostly picked it up uh with this uh bendis run but it has it's been going on for a while i think the silencer stuff you know i mean that was in 2018 so that's in silencer we haven't seen the end of her so uh we'll we'll uh get there but it's it's been cooking for a little while so i'm i'm curious about the synergy between the comics and the supergirl tv series did the comics want the the show to use it or did did supergirl kind of feed off the what the comics are doing so i guess we can talk about that when we talk about the show but it's just really interesting because it it has been going on for a little while um, and this this is pretty recent, what we're going to talk about. So recent that I don't even have an answer to who is Leviathan just yet. Bum, bum, bum. I'm just going to put it out there. Everything that we're going to talk about, we're, we're not going to have an answer. Man, this one's leaving me hanging. It's really, <laughs> you're just going to have to speculate on who is Leviathan. Uh, if we waited another week, we would know. But you know what? We're trying to get this out before Supergirl Season 5, so... You're just going to have to find out the in a, in a week. So in Action Comics 1011, uh, Lois Lane meets with an informant who uh, she's kind of out investigating, doing a story, and she meets an informant who gives her every secret and every name of this organization called Spiral. He tells her that the leaders of Spiral knew Leviathan was coming. So Leviathan, they're, they're, they're kind of coming back into play and they're, they're doing some things. The informant wants Lois to take this information and write a story on it so that they can get the truth out. So this is sort of uh, how Lois gets introduced to this story. She's investigating some things and Leviathan comes up. Uh, Lois and Superman go to see Huntress and uh, she tells them uh, that if Lois publishes the story on Spiral and Leviathan, quote, the world will tilt off its axis, unquote, because it describes a world most don't even know exists. So this getting the under underworld criminal organizations out in the open would really shock a lot of people. So uh, over in the Fortress of Solitude, Jimmy Olsen confesses to Superman and Lois that he accused Amanda Waller of running Leviathan. Whoa. A lot of stuff that happens in these issues that we're going to talk about is a lot of people just going, I wonder if Amanda Waller is Leviathan. Is Amanda Waller Leviathan or is it Lois Lane? Maybe it's not Lois Lane. Maybe it's Jason Todd. So it's kind of like, who is Gossip Girl? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And Leviathan's over in a corner like, you know you love me. (laughs) like so, Leviathan. (laughs) Kind of like that. So uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Superman Leviathan Rising Special Number 1 from May 29th, 2019. And this story introduces us to a woman named Miss Leone, who is now the owner of the Daily Planet. And she's being approached by a man whose face is ever-changing. Every time you see him in a panel, his face is different. And because of this, she recognizes him as a Leviathan agent. So I think this is a really neat way to visually depict this in the comics, is to show 
the agent, the Leviathan agent. You never know who they are because their face is always changing. So I think that there's some sneaky, sneaky business there, Leviathan. That's actually pretty smart. It's also interesting because it just looks like the face is pixelated. Yeah, it 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 changes. So I, I, and I didn't put a good uh, panel in there, but um, every time you see him, he's a, he's a different face. That's pretty interesting. But it does it does pixel. I, I think the pixelization is showing that like the change is happening. Like it's about it's about to change. Um, so elsewhere, elsewhere in the story, Clark Kent has been uh, kidnapped thanks to the use of some kryptonite by Talia al Ghul because she's the absolute worst. Uh, and she <laughs> she kidnaps Clark because she wants Superman to come save him. And she promises Clark the story of his life. She's going to be waiting for a little while. Yeah, huh? she's, she is not, <laughs> she's not really thought this through. Uh, she promised Cl- promises Clark the story of his life, the fall of the Age of Heroes, and the rise of Leviathan. So that's her her headline that she pitches to Clark Kent. Not that great of a headline, Talia. It's well, <laughs> she's not a writer. She's a, a criminal organization leader. That's it's not her forte. Uh, this is this is why she kidnapped Clark. She needs him to do it. She's like, I'm just workshopping here. <laughs> I'm just I'm just pitching you uh, something I've been thinking about. Uh, so after Talia leaves, uh, Clark is freed by who uh, by a character who looks like uh, a lot like a Leviathan agent. So uh, the Leviathan agents in these issues, they have a certain mask that covers their face. Uh, it's kind of a, a red face. It almost looks like a like a breathing apparatus. So that's how you you kind of know if they don't have pixelated faces. They have a mask that they keep over their their um, face so that you don't know their identities. That's the big thing is who is Leviathan. So Talia ends up getting a Leviathan lecture about why she antagonized the alien. Uh, I think they're referring to Superman and kidnapping journalists. So she's she's meeting up with this other Leviathan person and she's she's getting she's getting a talking to because she did something dumb. And Italia defends her actions and explains that she did all of this because Leviathan was stolen un- from under her and she tried to stage a coup. Because, of course, she did because Talia al Ghul is the worst. Leviathan <laughs> uh, offered Talia a partnership and an opportunity to rise above her upbringing. So Leviathan's like, look, we brought you in. We gave you some chances. We gave you some opportunities. And you really disappointed us. And uh, Leviathan is convinced that when everyone, including Superman, uh, the alien, uh, sees what they are building and what they have been fighting and dying for all their lives, they will, too, join Leviathan. Um, So Leviathan's not real happy about what Talia has been up to, what she's been doing. So uh, Leviathan uh, punishes Talia for her actions by throwing her out of a window. And her fall, oh. her fall is cut short when Superman swoops in to save her. So even though Talia Al Ghul is the absolute worst, she is the worst. Uh, Superman saves her anyway. That was nice of him. Which is what he should do. That I means super. That's that's Superman's thing. Uh, so I'm glad he saved her, even though she is not my favorite. Uh, so. Talia has very much disappointed Leviathan, and I think it's an interesting, um, it's a different depiction of uh, Talia al Ghul's relationship to Leviathan in this one, uh, because she's not top dog anymore. She's having to answer no. to somebody else. Uh, so it is it is neat to see uh, Talia kind of having to <laughs> climb that corporate ladder, and she's not doing a great job. 
Uh, but there's actually some Supergirl content in this one because uh, a Leviathan attack happens uh, at the DEO. And Leviathan attacks, I, I can't fully explain them. They're like these big explosions, but no dead bodies are ever found. And they're blue and... Um, it's it's it looks like a big bomb has gone off uh and there's some destruction but there there's something weird going on with this leviathan leviathan technology and everybody's trying to figure it out so uh at the deo jeremiah and eliza survive thank goodness but they are left with taking care of their co-workers dead bodies and injuries morbid so it is super morbid uh their survivors trying to take care of everybody and Eliza's kind of in this anger stage of uh, the grief stages. And she she's blaming Director Bones, because of course she is. Um, and the DEO's shading dealings for their deaths. She's like, hey, we've been a part of this organization that has not been on the up and up. And maybe we're the bad guys in this. Uh, so Eliza, is, she's really come, having a kind of a come to Jesus moment on this. She's realizing that maybe... The DEO has been a little bit corrupt. Is it fair to blame Director Bones, though? I mean, I don't feel like he did anything <laughs> wrong. He he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing as director. That's what he's supposed to do. He's listen. If you're taking orders from a like a human skeleton, you might not be the good guy. <laughs> I feel like that's on you. That's on you not to realize that. <laughs> so um, Jeremiah and Eliza have a lot of. Uh, moral discussions about their place at the DEO and and it, it Eliza's taking it pretty hard. I think she sees her friends who have died and she's she's really kind of understanding that maybe things have not gone the way that she had planned. What's notable about Eliza in this issue is she uh somehow has a right hand. She actually has huh. both of her hands in this one. So wait, this is taking place during rebirth right yes so she just grew that hand right back i somehow so this is one of the things about comics that sometimes like gets me where it's like the you know one person is off doing one thing and the other person doesn't is off doing another thing and it's the same character and you're like wait what where'd the hand go the the (laughs) most frustrating aspect is that the return of her hand is just as unexplained as the the fact (laughs) that her hand went missing the loss of her hand yeah uh yeah it's it's all been very confusing uh eliza danvers a hashtag hand stuff question mark it's just (laughs) i never i never know what's going on with with her hands we may never know uh which is the disappointing part uh, so Supergirl comes in, she finds the destruction of uh, this attack that's gone on with the DEO, and she tries to figure out what's going on with Jeremiah and Eliza, and she she finds Jeremiah's wedding band among the rubble, and we find out later that he removed and left it, uh, removed it and left it behind because he and Eliza had a pretty intense fight. I don't know if they, like, were like, hey, we're going to get in a divorce, we're going to split up, like, I don't know what's happening, but it does not look good for Jeremiah and Eliza. I'm a little concerned. Uh, they're having a real tough time. Uh, Kara finds a letter addressed to her that tells her something about Leviathan. We don't really get a lot of details in that letter, uh, but we see her kind of looking up and she says, Leviathan? So she knows that Leviathan's doing something. Presumably, 
either Jeremiah or Eliza left her that note. I think Eliza did. I think that was. I think we see that later in the issue. So, uh, so Eliza writes her this letter and tells her about Leviathan, but we don't know to what extent. So the next issue uh, that we're going to get into is event Leviathan number one from June 12, 2019. And I thought I might read these panels because some of this stuff is a really good recap. So really quickly, uh, let's see if we can read them. So this recap says uh, Leviathan has already destroyed all the corners of our world intelligence community in one long defeating swoop, destructive swoop all over the world. Argus, DEO, Spiral, Cadmus, gone. Everyone who has ever worked or worked there or for them is gone. The buildings, the people, destroyed without a trace, like they never existed. At the same time, Leviathan went after Amanda Waller, who ran, runs Task Force, Task Force X and Argus. They came after her work and her home. And they left my father, Argus's Sam Lane, to die in the same attacks. When he gets up, they're in a lot of trouble. But, and this is, of course, Lois Lane narrating this, but at the same time, they kidnapped Clark Kent, my husband, in some sort of botched internal struggle between Talia and whomever. Is it whomever? Mm, I don't know if Lilith's got that right. And whomever, and whomever Leviathan is now, and they let, and then they let him go to tell the world the story. Everywhere we turn, more suspects and clues. Waller is missing. My dad lies near death. Uh, and this is my favorite part because Director Bones is in it, and he's got his little his he's got his little star tie. So fancy. <laughs> and Lois ends he's looking great, <laughs> looking sharp. Uh, And Lois ends this recap saying, and I can't help but feel that right here, right now, this is what it feels like. This is what change feels like. Um, So that's a pretty good recap. We kind of get a little bit of the players in here. Amanda Waller, uh, General Lane, General General Sam Lane, Talia, Al Ghul, Director Bones. Um, So a lot of uh, organizations are affected by what's going on. The DEO is basically done for... Um, and so a lot of these organizations have really taken a hit because of all this Leviathan stuff. So in this issue, Lois Lane meets with Batman to discuss the kidnapping of Clark Kent, uh, that we saw, <laughs> saw with Talia Al Ghul, and attack, uh, on her super spy war hero of a father and how all of that relates to Leviathan. Their conversation is erupt- interrupted by Colonel Steve Trevor, who just happens to be nearby. I don't know why he was there. He just happens to be sitting there and, uh, he's been listening to their conversation He brainstorms Leviathan contenders with Lois and Batman. They all seem to eliminate Talia al Ghul because we've been there, done that, uh, Lex Luthor, and the Joker. So they don't think any of them are are actually Leviathan now. Lois informs Batman and Steve that Clark saw someone with Talia but never saw his face. So we have a a couple of clues that we can go on by uh, their conversation. And Steve informs them that, quote, entire pillars of society have already been pulled down. Every government is on lockdown and every world leader is hiding in a bunker, unquote. So this Leviathan stuff has gone worldwide. It's affecting everybody. And when Steve suspects that Lois might be Leviathan, uh, he moves to shoot her with his gun and an arrow stops his bullet. I wonder who that could be. So Green Arrow comes in. He's as grumpy as ever. Uh, he's very upset with Steve Trevor. So uh, 
that that's really all there is to that uh attacks have been happening that batman can't uh, can't explain he's never seen this leviathan technology that they're using the issue ends with a good look at who we think might be leviathan but we're not really sure who exactly it is so you can get a good look good look at what leviathan agents where they have uh, a hood, a cloak, the mask. It's sort of, it's sort of Darth Maulish. Uh, yeah, it really is with, with the red and the black. Um, so that's that's who Leviathan is, but we don't know who's under that mask. So then we get to Action Comics number ten twelve from July tenth twenty nineteen. This issue uh, features a lot of Superman Lois uh, romantic times at the fortress. Uh, and there's an interview conducted by a Daily Planet beat reporter named Good, or Good, uh, talking to a character named Rose who turns into Thorn. Uh, she's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Rose is the good side, Thorn is the bad side. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Leviathan aspect of this uh, that seemed notable to mention was at the end of this issue. Thorn is beating up bad guys and runs into a mysterious and hooded figure that associates with Leviathan. The figure tells Thorn, quote, I am here to make you an offer uh, to make a real difference in Metropolis. And then uh, Thorn asks uh, an offer for uh, from the kingpin of Metropolis's invisible mafia. And the mysterious and hooded figure replies, it's queenpin, by the way. So that makes me mm-hmm. think that Leviathan is a woman. Uh, it seems like it. I'm not sure. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, when this drops, uh, who it is. I'm actually curious now. Uh, so then we get to a le- event Leviathan number two from July 10th, 2019. Uh, the, a lot of these issues have a, a really good uh, recap. It talks about uh, Superman and Clark Kent's uh, kidnapping and Talia al Ghul, and there's a uh, mention of Red Hood and the DEO and Green Arrow and Batgirl. Um, so in this issue, Batman goes to see Jason Todd, a.k.a. Red Hood. They discuss how the Leviathan attacks leave no traces of dead bodies. Batman says that, quote, the energy signature at the blast suggests uh, instant disintegration, unquote. When the question goes to visit Sam Lane in the hospital, uh, Sam Lane's been attacked, so he's in the hospital recovering. Uh, The question spots a Leviathan suspect who is shot dead by General Lane. So General Lane is in the hospital bed. He wakes up and he shoots this Leviathan suspect. Uh, The suspect's name was Casey Kleba. Batman thinks the name is probably an alias, but that his name, uh, but that was his name when he was an Argus agent. So, uh, Kleba joined Leviathan out of being an Argus agent. Uh, Plastic Man goes to take a look at Casey Kleba's dead body in the morgue and is approached by another Leviathan agent. The agent tells Plastic Man that he knows who he is because they met in the Justice League. So Leviathan has some sort of Justice League tie. Uh, he also mentions the All-Star Squadron, the Freedom Fighters, the F- Secret Six, the Terrifics, and the FBI. So whoever Leviathan is, it seems like they used to be a good guy. Or a good queen. A good lady. Uh, so at the end of this issue, Lois Lane and Batman, they've put together a team of detectives, which is kind of cool. I, I like the idea of having a, a, D- a DC team of detectives uh, it includes The Question, Manhunter, Green Arrow, Damian Wayne's Robin, and Plastic Man. And their number one Leviathan suspect is Jason Todd. 
So then we get to Action Comics number 1013 from July 24, 2019. Uh, Lex, I thought it was uh, important to mention that Lex Luthor sends a hologram message to Miss Leone, the Daily Planet owner, while wearing a Leviathan-looking and hooded cloak. <laughs> Maybe that's just like what he sits around wearing, like on his off hours. I, should we should we be judging him? I mean, maybe he's not a suspect, <laughs> among us. but he's he's inspired by the Leviathan look, I think. Uh, so in this story, uh, the Daily Planet beat reporter who uh, interviewed uh, Rose slash Thorne, she's taken her interview to Perry White, trying to run the story, and uh, he's a little skeptical of how this chick got the, the story of Leviathan's connection to Rose, because she's, she's just a beat reporter. She's not Lois Lane. Uh, but uh, while the Leviathan agents are attacking Rose slash Thorne, uh, Superman comes face to face with one of them. And when Superman tries to talk to the Leviathan agent and uh, he tries to remove the armor and the mask uh, because Superman can't see through it uh, with his x-ray vision, the Le- the Leviathan agent doesn't want to fight Superman and even tries to talk Superman into joining them. He says, uh, you're going to be on board with this, Superman. So a lot of people think the good guys are going to get on board. I don't know why, but they th- <laughs> but they think their mission is something worth signing up for. Uh, but le- the Leviathan ed- agent says they're going to change the world. So you're going to be on board with this, Superman. Uh, the agent thinks that the Leviathan army might be booby-trapped. And so he's like, I don't know what this is going to do because I didn't design this. And when Superman goes in for the mask, uh, something happens. There's sort of some disintegration that happens. There's there's a blue light and, and he seems to go away. Uh-oh. And not great. Uh, so in Leviathan, if, event Leviathan number three from August 14th, 2019, so we're almost to the end, uh, while everyone in this issue is physically fighting Jason Todd, they have a big fight in the rain, of course, in Gotham City, Lois Lane takes the time to interview him. So, I mean, do they just stop for an interview while the fighting's going on. Jason thinks he's being set up uh, to be a patsy for all of this. He tells Lois that, quote, if Leviathan has all of DEO, Spiral, Argus, and Cadmus's files, they have everything, unquote, because these are like the, the shady uh, organizations that keep all the information uh, on all of them, on all of these heroes. So all their connections, all their secrets, Leviathan's got everything. Um, so if someone who can really pit them against e- uh, each other, so they're really dangerous. So Jason makes the case to Lois that if he was Leviathan and was trying to shape a new world, he wouldn't rest until Amanda Waller's head was on a pike because she is the architect of an entire world of spies of superpowers. So it seems like Amanda Waller is probably not Leviathan because she's being sort of hunted down. And Jason Todd doesn't really seem like Leviathan because... There are some things he w- he would do, and that's not what's happening. Or is that exactly what Leviathan would say? <laughs> <laughs> so, so out of process of elimination, I think we can eliminate some of these characters. Jason randomly asks Lois if she has a good relationship with her father, and that causes the team of detectives to wonder if Leviathan has daddy issues. This seems important. I don't know. We'll see what happens uh, when all is revealed. Meanwhile, Amanda Waller is approached by a Leviathan masked person in the desert. Amanda claims to know who this person is, and Leviathan calls her, her a bluffy bluffer. Uh, so Leviathan's got some you know, real snappy comebacks and suggests that she doesn't know who he is or who she is. We have no idea. So uh, those are the Leviathan aspects of that issue. Action Comics number 1014 from August 28th, 2019. Really, the only thing to wor- uh, that was worth mentioning here was uh, that there's a doctor named Dr. Glory 
who discusses power sources with Superman. She thinks that Leviathan is using those power sources that are causing rifts and ripples between Earth's and dimensional planes. So whatever technology that Leviathan is employing, they can do some pretty serious damage, cause rifts and ripples between Earth's and dimensional planes. That's that's not uh, child's play. That's some serious stuff. So in event Leviathan number four from September 11th, 2019... Uh, in this issue, Superman recounts his time in Cuba. He uh, comes to the defense and aid of Amanda Waller. She's been keeping a spe- he's been keeping a special ear out for her ever since she escaped the safekeeping of the Fortress of Solitude uh, when Jimmy Olsen first uh, accused her of being the ringleader of Leviathan. Uh, the Leviathan agent tells Superman that while things are very chaotic, they have nothing but respect for him. This also feels like a clue. So we have a clue that they may have been in the Justice League, that they don't want to hurt Superman, that they have a lot of respect for him. So whoever this is might know Superman personally. Superman is unable to see his X-ray and uh, is unable to uh, use his X-ray and telescopic vision to see through Leviathan technology. And Leviathan acts by way of an energy temporal force attack, and Leviathan takes off with Amanda Waller. So they kidnap Amanda. Batgirl calls into the Batcave deep undercover with within Leviathan. She informs the team of detectives that basically anything that was an asset or holding. Uh, or mem- or holding member of the D.O. Argus Cobra Cult, which I need to research more into Cobra, Cobra Cult because I don't know much about them. Cadmus or Spiral, they're all Leviathan. So that's kind of what Jason Todd was alluding to earlier is that all of those organizations have now, they've uh, now, it's kind of like a, like a corporate merger. Like they've all been bought. They've all become Leviathan now. They got to change their logos. Uh, they got to rebrand. <laughs> they got to rebrand themselves. Um, before Batgirl can tell the team who Leviathan is, of course, her video and audio feeds cut out, and uh, she can't actually tell them. So Lois Lane takes off from Wayne Manor with one of Bruce Wayne's fancy cars, and our old friend Silencer is back. She's in the woods with uh, eyes <clears throat> and a gun on Lois Lane as a target. The issue ends with her meeting some other detectives, including Zatanna, Deathstroke and maybe uh, I think Harvey Bullock might be in there. Maybe it's John Constantine. I, I couldn't really make out who some of those characters were, uh, but they have a lead on uh, Leviathan. So that's kind of where we end with this this story arc. Nobody really knows who Leviathan is. There's some clues that are going down. If you're interested in some of those theories, uh, Ange over at Comic Box Commentary. Uh, blogspot.com has been doing a, a really good job of tracking Leviathan and throwing out some theories on who it might be. So go over there and check those out. Uh, if we had another week, we could talk about the big Leviathan reveal that's coming in event Leviathan number five on October 9th, 2019, which is genuinely a week from today. Uh, but uh, for right now, we just we just, <laughs> we just have to wait. The description, if you're curious about that issue, reads, quote, Who is Leviathan and what is their true goal? You're going to find out here. Plus, Lois Lane had a whole other team working uh, this story the entire time. And, oh, man, someone found something, unquote, which is a terrible description. But uh, that does tell you that they're going to reveal who Leviathan is in event Leviathan number five. So now I'm really curious. I want to know. I know. I want to know, too. 
I feel like I'm left on a cliffhanger. So I, I feel like I, I, I didn't really resolve a lot of storylines for you <laughs> in this uh, comic book rundown. But I, I hope, Morgan, that you have a better understanding of how Leviathan operates and their corporate structure <laughs> and the way they, they do things. So at least there's that. So the heretic appears as a supporting antagonist in Batman Bad Blood, uh, voiced by Travis Willingham. Uh, in this film, Batman is confronted by a new villain uh, named the heretic. When Batman asks the heretic if he knows him, heretic replies, intimately and not at all <laughs> which is a very confusing answer uh, uh batman ends up going missing after they fight which causes which causes dick grayson to don the bat suit dick is aided in protecting gotham and finding bruce wayne by damian wayne as robin uh kate kane as batwoman and luke fox as batwing and i guess i guess we should mention uh what the heretic looks like for people who have never seen him he's a big muscly guy he's got uh, a cowl like a batman like cowl on and he's got red eyes and a, a big collar like a big disney villain collar um so he's pretty scary he's also like ginormous you would not want to mess with this dude no, no. <laughs> uh when asked what kind of name heretic is kate kane's father tells her that it's one that invokes disbelief in the 10 months before heretic became a thorn in the side of black mask a uh, heretic gathered half the criminals in gotham under his command so he's been busy he's, he's got been, he's got a little gang of his own he's got some stuff going on maybe it's maybe it's better run than uh talia's gang maybe <laughs> be worse we'll find out um heretic and his gang of criminals attack lucius fox at wayne enterprises trying to get into the vault lucius son lucius's son luke who will later become batwing of batman incorporated fights back but heretic overpowers him heretic is able to access the vault by threatening to snap luke's neck way harsh when it becomes <laughs> when it becomes clear that heretic knows that batman is connected to wayne enterprises heretic stabs lucius fox in the stomach also way harsh <laughs> uh dick grayson um as batman and damian wayne's robin show up to fight off heretic and his crew and heretic ends up saving damian's life because he knows that he is special and needs to be kept alive uh okay so uh, a little stabby but not entirely terrible, right? Did a nice thing. <laughs> that information will be very important, so hold on to that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Turns out Heretic is working with Jervis, uh, Jervis Tetch, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter, who has been accessing Bruce Wayne's memories and trauma. Okay, weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> the mastermind behind Bruce Wayne's kidnapping and torture is... Talia al Ghul. Of course, of course. it is. <laughs> of course she it is. She is terrible. Oh, man. She kidnaps that, a lot that of people. Ex that explains that weird, like, intimately. Uh, <laughs> heretic, heretic breaks into the Batcave and fights Damien. Uh, Damien tells Heretic that he made a mistake coming there, to which Heretic replies that he was trained to never make mistakes. All right, fine. Be, <laughs> be like that. Uh, he also says that he had flaws bred out of him, which, cool. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's scroll down. Oh, he's got like a, a 
scary red eye thing going on in his mask. Mm-hmm. That's that's creepy. Uh, Heretic takes Damien back to where they are holding Bruce Wayne. A big twist is revealed when Heretic takes off his mask and reveals himself as Damien Wayne, all grown up. Yeah, I don't. I'm what? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, okay. Okay, we're going to get into this. This is very confusing. <laughs> so so grown-up Damien explains that he is a product of a program that his grandfather initiated. The goal? To create the perfect soldier. Damien's DNA was used and put through a process of accelerated growth. Cool. Uh, heretic <laughs> feels a void in himself. And to fill that void, he's going to transfer everything from Damien's brain into his own. Uh, but Talia doesn't approve of this plan, so she shoots Heretic. Um, so much so much is going on there. I feel, like, I feel like we need to break this down. Okay. Rebecca, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening again? <laughs> okay, so Heretic is a, a DNA clone of Damien. They're trying to create this super soldier, and so they use Damien's DNA to create this clone. And the clone has had accelerated growth, so that's how he becomes grown-up Damien. They've they've sort of, uh, in the soap opera world, they call it uh, soap opera rapid aging syndrome. Sort, yeah, <laughs> soap opera rapid aging syndrome. So that's what they've done to this Damien. They've cloned him and then made him grown-up to be big. So... That's why Heretic saves Damian Wayne's life because he, he basically is Damian. He was like, you're going to be important. And then he like winks and he was like, we're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that that this is why Talia is the worst, because she has this clone son that she shoots and kills. Oh, she's heartless. I just I don't like her. Um, but yeah, so the big twist is that Damien has a grown-up version of himself that he interacts with. So much like Talia and Leviathan in the comics, this animated version of the Leviathan, uh, Leviathan organization, though it's not referred to it, referred to as such, it's pretty similar, is able to mind control and program people to do what they want. So yeah, so the heretic is in Leviathan in the comics. Uh, so that's why we mentioned this animated film version because uh, the heretic uh, is very prominent in this animated film. Uh, but they don't really call it Leviathan, although really that's, I mean, they're basically borrowing a storyline from the, the Leviathan comic stories. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good introduction to, to what Talia and the Leviathan organization are kind of like, if, even if you'd never read the comics. Okay, so we're going to dive into Supergirl Season 4. Uh, in the season four finale of Supergirl, an elderly woman told Eve Tessmacher, Leviathan is everywhere. Leviathan is everyone. And Leviathan is coming. Uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, Robert Robner explained that in season five, Leviathan will be an organization that tries, that tries to move the needle to protect the planet. Their agenda gets incorporated to our season, unbeknownst to the rest of our characters, because nobody knows they've been working in the shadows forever. We were excited about this idea that even when we think less Lex is acting alone. There are even pe- bigger uh, people. There are even people bigger than Lex, especially in our Black Mirror season. So, do we think that Talia Al Ghul is going to be like she's such an integral part of the Leviathan in the comics and the animated? Do we think that she's going to be involved in this somehow? 
That's I think that's my big question. As much as I dislike Talia Al Ghul, I think she almost has to be. I'm gonna out myself as having not watched Arrow since like season two. I was she was she on Arrow? I feel like there was. Uh, I feel like I read something where it was like Talia Al Ghul, blah blah blah, Arrow, and I was like, oh cool. I mean, I know Nissa, but like Nissa, Nissa's cool. Nissa's the best Al Ghul in the family. Like she's if. If I had to be around an Al Ghul, I'd want to be around Nissa. Okay, so Talia, like, is she still alive? That's, that's, I mean, because even if she died, I mean, there is, well, I don't know. I think they destroyed all the Lazarus pits. Uh, so, yes, there was a Talia Al Ghul on, uh, according to the Arrowverse wiki. Um, it says that her fate was left unknown after the explosions on, um, Leanne Yu until Oliver found her in the slab side maximum security prison alive. She's then revealed to him that she was a mysterious individual. Oh, uh, spoiler alert on all of this, I guess, if you are several seasons behind on Arrow. Uh, the mysterious individual known as the Demon, who he'd been searching for as she had some kind of connection to help him take down Ricardo Diaz. He and Talia later came to terms as Oliver helped her escape while Talia offered to help him expose level two of Slabside. So it seems like she's in the wind. So she could almost assuredly be part of this. I would like for her to because she is such a big part of Leviathan. Uh, even though I dislike the character, I I think she I think she could come in and I think Talia could be a way for because isn't there supposed to be like a Batwoman Supergirl crossover? Have we been promised that? That's such a good question. Or, or do we just assume that's going to happen? <laughs> oh I don't. I, Batwoman is part of the crossover, right? Like, but how? I mean, how much stuff can they shove into to these episodes? Because I think I think you could definitely bring Talia in through Batwoman. Through the, the the Batman mythology, and I mean, we did see Supergirl and Batwoman kind of bond in the last crossover, so I could definitely see there being some like sort of independent of the the mid season crossover extravaganza. Like I could see maybe Batwoman pops up in Supergirl, or or vice versa, and that's the way to bring Talia in they could have like a mysterious figure like who is Leviathan and then reveal it by the end of the season but you gotta you gotta make that person worth it you know it can't just be like a little dud like what if it was snapper car that would be awesome oh my god that would be the best um what if Leviathan was John Jones's horrible secret ah See, we learn it. We learn it seasons later, and he's like, "I've been trying to tell you this whole time." Leviathan. <laughs> so I do think that if you're going to build it up and build it up, is you know who is Leviathan? It better be good. It better be somebody really good. But I I do like the idea that you're not going to really know who who it is because that is part of the Le- Leviathan uh, operation in the comics is that you never really know who these people are. So I think Supergirl is at least honoring that aspect of it. I, I hope they go into the divisions. I was really interested in the different divisions that they had within Leviathan. 
because I liked the way it was structured in their organizational chart. I hope that at some point we see the org chart of Leviathan. And if if we did get to go to a Walmart, I would be really impressed. Oh my God, that would be the best. They did have something kind of like that on Fox's Gotham where the, the villains and the bad guys of Gotham City could go and they could buy all of their weaponry and all of their, uh, you know, hand grenades and things like that. So uh, I, th- I think that was sort of similar. But yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really interested because I think all of this uh, reading about Leviathan that I did made me more excited about the Leviathan aspects. Um, and I'm curious as to how Eve Tessmacher, uh, what her involvement in all of this is so I'm, I'm very curious about what eve will be doing in season five. Oh yeah me too i mean eve is awesome so the more eve we can get in season five the better as far as i'm concerned and it seemed like she would be more connected to leviathan than anyone so uh so i'm hoping that leads to more good eve stories All right, well, I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Leviathan. Thank you for going through that with me, Morgan. I know it was a lot. It was only 67 pages, Rebecca. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But I hope we all came away with at least one thing, is that Talia al Ghul is a terrible human being, and I'm glad she's a fictional character. Is the worst. If you only (laughs) take away one thing from this character spotlight, uh... Don't 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 like Talia Al Ghul. She is she is the absolute worst. Don't don't be like Talia Al Ghul. <laughs> she is a t- she's a terrible character. Uh, I guess why well, actually she might be a great character because she elicits a, a lot of reaction from me. Uh, but that doesn't mean I have to like her. So, uh, but before we wrap up this spotlight, we have some uh, listener feedback we need to get to. So we have an email from Clara from France who writes, I've been listening to old episodes to get through long work days, and I'm up to bizarro. Uh, in a more recent episode of the podcast, you were talking about the multiple supermen we'll have on for the crossover, and I was wondering about the Supergirls. What's your opinion on the probability of having Bizarro show up? As far as we know, she's still somewhere at the DEO in a coma, and I think Crisis would be a perfect moment to have her back. I don't ever want to have to deal with Overgirl ever again, but I think that there are a lot of possibilities for various versions of Supergirl, uh, Kara, Melissa Benoist, to be in the crossover, Bizarro and Red Daughter, although I know she was absorbed by Kara last season. We could see Power Girl, Kara uh, Strovikov from Bombshells. There are a lot of possibilities that could maybe shift the focus away from the super from Superman and back on Supergirl. I would personally love that. I think that that would balance the scales for me. If we're going to have a 10 million supermen, let's get a couple of supergirls in there. I would be into that. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would also love to see uh, Melissa Benoist go back and do, like, seasons later a, her version of Bizarro. I think that would be really interesting to watch because it's been, I mean, it's been a really long time since we've seen Bizarro. Bizarro ended up being a really sweet character, and I liked that she had a, a neat, uh, relationship with Kara. Kara really understood her. So I, I would be into seeing Bizarro again. I Red Daughter, I don't understand what happened there at the end of season four. Uh, so <laughs> who, who knows? Maybe she could pop back up. Uh, Overgirl, I think, didn't she explode? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Unless, unless I, we see I another... Think, I think so. Unless we see another Earth version of her. I, I think Overgirl is done for yeah i think that 
might be all she wrote. But since Crisis on Infinite Earths is such an important milestone in terms of the comics in Supergirl's history, I would really like to see them lean into the Supergirl aspect of this a little more. So I I hope there are multiple Supergirls. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, but before we get out of here, let's do one Leviathan's related snap judgment. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended, and explanations are unnecessary. All right, so Morgan, here we go. Here's our big choice that we got to make. Who would you rather have revealed to be Leviathan? At the end of season five of Supergirl, when we get to that big reveal of who Leviathan is, who would okay. you who would you rather take off the mask? Brian the Alien or Jeremiah Danvers? Ooh. Jeremiah Danvers. And and he takes off the mask and he goes, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> and, and then there's just a really awkward pause as everybody looks at each other. And just Alex just really quietly goes, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> Cut to black. <laughs> that would be the best finale ever. Uh, I'm going to go Jeremiah Danvers. I think that that would be a, a really surprising, shocking twist because we don't know where he's been. Who who knows where he's been or what he's doing currently? <laughs> no one knows or cares. So that would be a great way to bring him back. Last time he kind of turned into a cyborg man and he's in the woods somewhere. That's last we know. That's what he's been doing. We don't know what he's been up to. So uh, he could be Leviathan. I I could one hundred percent buy that. I don't think Brian has really climbed that that corporate ladder yet. I don't think so. I think he's still working on it. And like, listen, the hustle, keep <laughs> the hustle up, Brian. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dream. But I don't think that he's made it all the way to the top yet. <laughs> Although I could see um, Brian being part of Leviathan. I mm. could see him like working really hard and being like, listen, I'm putting in long days, long hours. Like I'm really trying to climb that ladder. Uh, but I don't see him as, as a top dog yet. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our character spotlight on Leviathan. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to email us at supergirlradio, uh, you can do that at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if the if you're like, Rebecca, that's so much information to uh, take in at once, uh, just go to supergirlradio.com. You can find all that stuff on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DCTV plugs. Oh, yeah, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DCTV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow... The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, 
Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter. And like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Dig it. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at TheDerbyKid. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. And if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting, you can subscribe to a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And uh, season two is about to wrap up. Uh, and it's getting pretty good. Some crazy things have gone down at KCOM Studios. You're going to want to listen to find out what happens. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, I also uh, contributed a little bit of something to The Fakest, that sketch comedy podcast that Rebecca was talking about. Uh, so you should check that out because that show is hilarious and crazy. Uh, I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast podcast uh last time when i told you that we were recording an episode turns out i did not lie to you yeah so uh i feel good about that i feel really good about that because uh i will say in all honesty the recording date almost fell apart and i was like i've lied like i've I've done it again i've lied to them again every time i'm like the the girl who podcasts wolf like it's never (laughs) happening uh but we uh, so uh since there is such a long uh break before the new season of Legends of Tomorrow, we've been uh, we've been doing some history lessons. We've been diving into the history of uh, some of these historical villains that might show up in uh, the next season of Legends of Tomorrow. We actually had a super fun time recording the last episode. I had a, I mean, not. Uh, after seeing this this Google Doc, I can't say that I had a Rebecca level Google Doc because mine was like 15 pages, and I was like, "Boy, I'm doing great!" And I was just like copying, pasting from Wikipedia, like, "Man, Rebecca, be so proud!" And then I opened this up, and it's, it's 67 pages, and I was like, "Okay, Rebecca showed me." But uh, but I did do like uh, just a base level of research for this pot, the last podcast for Legends. So uh, I'm I'm proud of it. <laughs> I think we uh, we we actually went so long, um, or I went so long that we had to split the podcast. We we recorded all in one night, but we had to split it up into two episodes because otherwise it was going to be like two hours. So the part one of that dropped uh, last uh, over the weekend, I think, and then part two is going to be dropping soon, and that's where uh, Amy's going to take us through some like. Uh, Romanoff history, so it's pr- it's pretty cool stuff. Well, I'm very proud of you with your Google Docs. Why, thank you. <laughs> and I learned quite a bit, so uh, I enjoyed the history lessons, and uh, it was a good idea for a podcast episode or episodes. So, well done, Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I enjoyed it immensely. I don't watch the show, but I like learning about history, <laughs> so uh, that was a lot of fun. So I'm glad you all did that. Did that? Uh, very cool. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And be on alert, because Leviathan is everywhere. Leviathan is everyone. And Leviathan is coming. (laughs) 